Miss Clare? Excuse me, Miss Clare? Can you ask our dear friend Farley to mix one of his special drinks for me? The one with the dark amber glow and the cherries. Yes, that's the one. Thank you, Miss Clare. Ah, friends, I didn't see you there. My, my, we are prompt today. Our pretty tale must be intriguing then. We left off with our adventurers taking their much-needed night's rest at the Lock and Key Inn. In the morning, they make their way down the stairs to find a much-conflicted Syndra lost in her thoughts. Syndra explains to the group that she's feeling at odds with helping a criminal and staying true to the Arcanist. Oh, Miss Claire, that does look spectacular. What was it called again? Ah, the Foreign Wood Fairy Light. Now, where was I? Oh yes, Syndra. To stay true to herself, she decides to stay behind while the group heads to the Fornwood and will meet them in four days at the Skeleton Key Tavern. Rowan also stays behind, as he could not leave the city limits, and Ari makes arrangements for him with the innkeeper for food and lodging. Before the group heads out, Syndra gives Ari a tuning fork, explaining how the Arcanists use it for hunting magical relics. After gathering horses and supplies at Brahms Goods, the group makes a dodgy exit from town. Upon finding the edge of the Fornwood, our adventurers encounter three dire wolves with green glowing eyes. However, the creatures are no match for our brave group as they make quick work of them and prepare to enter the mysterious wood. Hmm, this drink is delicious. Hello everyone, welcome to Creating Grin, a 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons real play podcast set in the homebrew fantasy world of Solaris on the continent of Alteratus. At the table we have the three players that will bring to life our adventurers. To my right we have... I'm Jason, playing Gorath Thunderfist, a Goliath fighter, and I'm definitely not impressed by Direwolves. <laughs> and I'm Brian, playing Kelbrick's Goldbound, a human grave cleric. And I am hurt after those dire wolves. And I'm Katie, playing Ariar Collis, a tiefling rogue, and I apparently don't know how to use a bow. My name is Eric, and I will be your dungeon master in this chapter of our tale. Standing outside the Fornwood forested line after fending off attacks from three dire wolves, Kelbrix has just finished healing the two steeds of Ari and Gorath, as they look much better, with their wounds healing. Gorath comes back from chasing the last direwolf that made its escape in the Fornwood Forest as he is sadly dragging his warhammer on the ground. What would you all like to do? Oh boy. Should probably camp outside the woods. Yeah, we could. Uh, there's still one direwolf that might be coming back for vengeance. We can set up a watch. Sleeping shifts. I still want to know what this tuning fork is going to do. I smack it again. <laughs> I don't think it's going to do anything. It's a tuning fork. 
So the, so the question is, what are you going to slap it on? You slapping it against your hand? Uh, no, I'll slap it off my mace. As you draw forth your mace and strike the tuning fork against it, it will hum. Nothing happens. Oh, all right. Well, it seemed to make the wolves angrier. No, the pretty lights are gone. Actually, no sooner than you finish that statement, Gorath, you will all see the soft, glowing lights return within the foreign wood. Oh, oh great. great. <laughs> Tell you what. I'll let you guys put together an investigation check if you'd like, because this has been a series of events that might help you put some of the pieces of the puzzle together. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine's not gonna be good. Uh, I rolled a four with nothing in my investigation. That's a nat one with a <laughs> zero to my investigation. Um, nat. 21, nope, wait, actually unnet, 22, 19 and 3. Ari, with your 22 investigation, you're going to realize the motes of light deep in the forest are likely some type of glowing insect or glowing creature. You also realize that when the tuning fork was struck before the direwolf encounter, that it produced a significant amount of sound that drew the direwolves to you. Because the dire wolves are predatorial, the glowing insects or creatures go dark in order to protect themselves. This explains why the dire wolves came out, and obviously when the sound struck their ears, it made them howl, angering them. And that's what you know, Ari. As for the rest of them, they are scratching their heads like, it's the weirdest thing. I don't know. Maybe don't strike it again then. <laughs> yeah, Alright. Uh... Alright, well, mages always have weird stuff by the secret hideouts. But, uh, alright, so take a long rest or keep trying to find the uh, mages' secret hideout entrance. Well, we are looking for a petrified tree. Yeah, that might be easier to see in the daylight. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's camp. <laughs> let's camp. We should set up a watch, maybe start a fire? Uh, yeah. Um, I guess this is as good a place as any to try to set up a little campsite. Uh, I'll head over, keeping light on my base, and try to collect some firewood to start bringing back for a fire. Why don't you give me a survival check, Kelbrix? Alright. And for my survival check, that is a 6. 3 plus 3. Kelbrix, with a 6, you are able to gather up enough wood to start a fire enough to sustain it for a significant length of time. I would also like to go and collect wood. Survival check, please, Ari. That's an 11. With an 11, Ari, you are able to gather enough dry wood to keep the fire sustained through the evening. Is firewood all that you were searching for? Yeah. Yeah. So between the two of you, Kelbrix and Ari, with your survival checks, you will be able to find enough to start and keep a small-sized campfire sustained through most of the night, if not all the way into the morning, depending on how eager Gorath is with the firewood during his watch. He may just like to watch things burn and just keep tossing logs on the fire. Who knows? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Yeah. Find something to kebab. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Alright, well, uh, I'll go ahead, I'll pull out some feed for the horses, and then um, I'll take a break. 
Kelrix, as you pull the feed out and are about to feed the horses, both Ari and Gorath's horse show you much love, as you are the one that healed their wounds. They're very mild-mannered as they nuzzle up to you, showing their appreciation. All right. Kelrix, do you want to take the first rest? Yeah, sure. Okay, I'll take first watch then. So each one of you will take a four or five hour watch apiece as you should have enough to accumulate a long rest successfully. We have Kelbrick's taking the first. No, actually, I'm, I'm resting first. I'm taking first watch. So Ari will be taking the first watch. And who's going to take the second? I am going to go second. Gorath will take the second watch and then Kelbrick's uh, will then take the last. So what I would like is on each one of your watches, give me a perception check. Followed by a survival check, please. Starting with Ari. Okay. Perception is a seven, three plus four. Interesting. And survival is an eight, four and four. Ari, as you walk around, keeping your attention towards the foreign wood, listening to the snoring of Gorath as he mumbles something about shrimp, you move over to the fire. Kelbrick's had started as you stoke and feed the fire, adding a bit more wood than was needed. Some of it could be because you're in an unfamiliar place, in the middle of nowhere, or all the strange nocturnal sounds and noises you keep hearing coming from the forest. The cool night air keeps you drawn to the now larger fire for warmth, as Kelbricks rest peacefully, as well as Gorath, as your watch goes peacefully. Okay, and then I'll go and nudge Gorath, letting mm. him know it's his watch. Time to roll. That's a seven for perception. Six plus one. Now for survival. Seventeen. Fifteen plus two. Gorath, you wake up standing and stretching as the darkness is difficult to see through without dark vision. The campfire provides adequate light up to 40 feet, allowing you to see the nearby area. You feel pretty adequate as far as temperature goes, and you decide to scale back on the firewood, using your survival to realize that you can do with less light and less warmth, making sure that you have something constantly burning. You also hear the strange noises coming from the forest. But that doesn't bother you too much, as you've heard strange things before, especially coming from the Demon Spine Mountains. They're just regular forest noises. Your watch is uneventful, much like Ari's, as it also goes peacefully as you walk over to Kelbrick's, nudging him awake to take his watch. Sleepy time for me. (laughs) Alright. So, perception first. Okay. And that is a 13. 8 plus 5. Excellent. And survival will be 12. 9 plus 3. Kelbrick says you begin taking your watch about halfway through. The sun begins to rise as the morning light is upon you. You will notice that the fog of the foreign wood forest line has started to recede back inside the forest. As you now have a good clear look at those glowing soft motes of green light. As they begin to fade, the brighter the morning light gets. You now begin spotting small game in the forest. There's actually a couple of rabbits in the distance, which could be potentially hunted if you wanted to take a shot at it for breakfast, potentially. You look and also notice that there is plenty of wood that 
you can burn due to Gorath conserving it. And with that, I ask, what would you like to do? Alright, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna go after any rabbits. Uh, we have plenty of dire wolf. Ah, that there is for sure, sir. <laughs> so I'm gonna go ahead and pull out my dagger and start carving up some dire wolf. As you move over to the closest dire wolf, you kneel down and we will actually attribute the survival check you made to this. I think it was a 13. Uh, no, 12 actually. All right, that's right, a 12, which will be successful as you will focus more on the meat that you'll be carving and less on conserving it for the furs. You will be able to carve out several dire wolf steaks as you toss them on the fire to be cooked for breakfast. As you continue the rest of your watch, as well as tending to the steaks, Ari, both you and Gorath will wake up to a pleasant aroma of meat cooking over open flame. Gorath, you're finally going to get some red meat. I'm just going to waft the smell towards Gorath. <laughs> wakey, wakey. Let's hope this is not overcooked this time. It, dude, it is so, so well done. Oh, no. <laughs> this wolf is probably gamey. Not quite the red meat I was looking for. Better than nothing, though. I assume you all will wake and take the food provided for breakfast from Kelbricks. Yeah. Sure. Gorath, as you bite into the hunk of sizzling dire steak, you notice as you chew that it tastes, as you said, very gamey. <laughs> and you as well, Ari and Kelbricks. You know it is a sustainable source of protein that will leave you all adequately full, but not something you would recommend. As the sun comes up into full view, shining down upon the group, finishing up your breakfast, you each look into the foreign wood forest line as you begin noticing various mushrooms growing in patches, along with a mixture of trees, flourishing forest plants, and vegetation. Okay, well, time to... You ready? Yeah, I think it's time to search for that petrified tree. With that being said... Who and how is the group going to approach the forest? What will be the marching order? Do you still have a tuning fork, Kelbricks? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, here. It seems to be useless, and I'll hand it back over to Ari. Thanks, I guess. I want to experimentally tap on it. As you do, would you give me an arcana check, please? Yes, I will. And that is in eight. Seven plus one. As you take back the tuning fork... You look at it once again, tapping it against the side of your dagger as it vibrates very low due to the subtlety in which you struck the fork against your dagger. Um, well, I think Gora should go for it first. Well, that works for me. I have an expert, expert woodsman. Mm, yeah, So sure Gorath will that. lead the group. I'm assuming you're going to ride the horses in? Yes, yes. Who's following after Gorath? I can. With Ari following in, that will leave Kelbricks bringing up the rear. Yep. As the group gets into the riding order and begins to make their way into the Fornwood Forest, I would like to have each one of you all make an animal handling check. Due to the fact they were attacked by dire wolves, which came from the forest, with one of them still possibly lurking, as this makes the horses a little hesitant to travel into the woods. Oh, yes. Trust me, gentle steed. <laughs> 16. 13 plus 6. <laughs> That's better than me. I got a 10. 7 plus 3. I got a 6. 
Four plus mm-hmm. two. Gorath, with a commanding presence, you lead your horse in with confidence. I am a natural woodsman. As you, Kelbrix, coax Buttercup in, Ari, your horse, on the other hand, is resisting, fighting against you, as it seems to me very much the fate of the gods to have paired the two of you together. She turns her neck, pulling away, trying to not enter the wood, as Kelbrix and Buttercup ride up next to you. Kelbrix, Sam hates me. (laughs) So much. All right, I'll uh, I'll ride up to uh, to Ari's horse and uh, give her some feed. I'm gonna be like, all right, you gotta bond with your horse, Ari. Feed them, take care of them. They'll follow you a lot better. But I do. As you hand over some feed to Ari, Kelbricks. Ari, what would you like to do? I'm gonna reach down and give her the food, and then I'll pat her neck a bit. As you lean forward, giving your horse Sam some food. It seems to calm her down a bit. As this takes place, I'd like to have both Ari and Kelbrix give me an insight check. Mm, 16, 14, and 2. 24 for me, 19 plus 5. With these successful numbers, you both come to the realization that Ari's horse seems to have very good instincts. You think that the horse may be reacting out of her instincts, much like a rogue would very cautious on edge so it might actually not be a bad thing all the time that she reacts this way Ari it seems to be something you're going to need to learn to adjust to for sure as it seems that the three of your horses are developing definite personalities with some traits being picked up from you the riders the bond is definitely being created (laughs) these are as stubborn as their former dwarven masters (laughs) As Kelbricks and Ari, you see Gorath's horse looking up at him with the eye roll expression, <laughs> and then look back ahead, as Gorath is probably at this point around 10 feet ahead with a choice of path to make. With that being said, Gorath, since you are in the lead, thank God for that, will mm-hmm. you give me a survival check in order to determine which path to lead your friends down in the foreign way? Follow me, I know the way. Um, how? <laughs> <laughs> and that is a six. A We're three gonna die. Plus a three. <laughs> I am an expert. <laughs> As you study each path, looking back and forth, you hear both Ari and Kelbricks ride up behind you as you choose the broad and comfortable path as you nudge the horse's side and begin leading the way down this path. Just gonna be another stroll for the day. <laughs> As the group rides deeper into the foreign wood forest, you each notice that the forest canopy is very thick, as there are a lot of high trees that have strong branches supporting a very thick foliage that blots out the sun. The temperature drops a good 8 to 10 degrees, making it very cool, as there is a nice breeze that blows through occasionally rustling leaves, creating a peaceful calming effect. The energy or vibes do feel different, as each one of you feels a slight tingle or a chill sensation shoot through your body once you leave the outer forest and get into the deeper forest. Rays of sunlight are visible in pocketed areas, creating the shadowy, mystic atmosphere as the sun fights to break through the dense forest canopy with little success. You all continue to follow the lead of Gorath the Mighty as he continues to follow this one particular direction easing down the path, guiding his horse with the reins as his horse cooperates. 
Several hours of riding pass as Kelbricks, you and Ari look back and see, well, we're in it now. As it is as clustered and encompassing of a forest in front of you as it is now behind you. Everything is starting to look the same. Gorath, you literally do not know where the hell you're going. Your survival check was not successful by no means. But your confidence, on the other hand, is great. Oh, great woodsman. You just decided to follow this path because it looked cool. That's a mood. I would like to have you make another survival check. His voice from the sky doesn't know what he's talking about. Gorath knows exactly where he is. And I'm just going to prove it here. As he is making the survival check. With a five, a four plus a one, I am very sure of where I am. I'd like to have the two of you go ahead and give me an insight check. Uh, All right, that's uh, 15 for my insight, 10 plus 5. All right. 9 on mine, 7 plus 2. Your 5 makes you feel confident that this is the path. will lead you somewhere for sure. Kelbricks, you know Gorath with your number of a 15, your, your result. He is completely lost, and he has been from the get-go. Okay. So, Gorath. Are you sure we're going the right way? I'm absolutely positive we are going into the woods as we were instructed. Oh, I mean, no. I don't argue that. And that's where we're wrong. supposed to go. We're in the woods, and we're deep in the woods. <laughs> All right, but... Like, look, look, look. You're overthinking the dwarf and his ability to hide things from everybody in here that are in here in this woods. We're in the woods. Surely we will follow up, and we just pop up because... The gods would not lead us astray from a stupid dwarf. I know where we're going. The dwarf would not know where he's going in the woods. He's lost, isn't he? Oh, 100%. Oh, good. All right. Um, okay. I'd like to, if I can, see if I notice any other paths that could branch off um, as we're riding, following Borath, see if there's maybe another path that might be a little more friendly to a dwarf. Kelbricks, go ahead and give me a survival check. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm just as lost. This is perfect. You're, you're right, Gorath. <laughs> there, exactly. There are multiple pathways that could be suited for a dwarf. As Gorath continues to lead, it is now near midday. As you feel no closer to your destination, Gorath, you do see something ahead in the pathway that you've been traveling on. I would like for you to give me a perception check. Yeah. Hmm. Keen senses. With a five, I am able to discern Sneaky. everything. A four plus one. <laughs> Gorath. The voice from above says it's not too difficult to see, as it looks like there's something or someone around medium size laying in the pathway directly in front of you. All right, and I'm going to look at Ari. See, we've got something in the road ahead of us. Can I see any better than Gorath can? You can go ahead and pull your horse up to the side of Gorath. Go ahead and give me a perception check, please. All right. Well, as someone who can actually see, 17, 13 plus 4. As you pull up beside Gorath, your roguishly trained eyes also see a medium-sized humanoid laying on the ground somewhere around 45 to 50 feet ahead of the group. The humanoid seems to be bound or trapped, as it seems to be writhing in pain or wiggling to get themselves free. There's someone tied up in the middle of the road. Could be a trap? Yeah, it might be. Should we help anyway? 
I think that would probably be best. Maybe they know where to go. True, true. That is a possibility. I'm gonna hop down and pull my dagger out, and then slowly make my way towards them. I'll do the same. I'll hop off real quick and follow behind. I'm gonna hop off and grab the reins of the three horses and pull them along with me. Good idea. Ari, you begin to slowly make your way closer to the individual lying in the path as Kelbrix hops off Buttercup and begins following behind you. Gorath will move over, gathering all the reins as he leads the horses behind Kelbrix. All right, Ari, how do you want to handle this? As you've gotten closer, you can make out that this individual is male. He seems to be definitely bound by what appears to be vines or rope in which he is wiggling to free himself. I'm going to call out to him. Hello? Do you need Do you need help? Struggling, he'll call out, Yes, please, quickly if you don't mind. I'll walk up, and while I'm walking, I want to look around and see if I can see anyone. Go ahead and give me a perception check. Ugh, uh, seven. Three plus four. It looks clear to you. It's a perfectly normal forest. It's perfect. Okay. Kelbrooks, you watch as Ari reaches a point in the path to where she stops. And then you hear her ask if help is needed, and there is a reply to which she looks around and then walks up. Yeah, I'm just following her. And Gorath? I'm going to follow as close as I can with these horses in tow. Ari, as you get within ten feet of this male figure trying to free himself, that is when the arrows begin to fly from four different directions. So this will grant them a surprise round, as I would like for you all to roll for initiative. Perfectly normal forest. Definitely not a trip. No. Never, ever, would never be a trap. Definitely. Individual random dude died up. Yeah, died up laying in the middle of the list. All right, let's start with Gorath. What do you have? I have a nine. Seven plus two. Right. Works. I have a ten. Twelve minus two. <laughs> Solid. And I have a fifteen. Twelve plus three. I rolled a twelve. So did I, but I have a plus three. Yeah, mine's minus two. <laughs> the ambushers do get a surprise round. And I love it so much. So for all those faithful listeners out there following along, here is the initiative order. Ambusher number four is first. Ambusher number two is second. Ari has the pleasure of being third, as ambusher number three is fourth. Kelbrix goes fifth. The restrained male is sixth. Ambusher number one is seventh. As Gorath becomes the low man on the totem pole in this encounter, That's not okay. Kelbrix. I expended all of my energy getting us to this point in the woods. He did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so how this works, as stated before, the ambushers have surprised everyone, which means they each get to act taking a full turn before the initiative order officially starts. So each one of the ambushers will shoot at a target. Off to Kelbrick's and Ari's right side, ambusher number four knocks and releases an arrow. As we are going to play one of my favorite mini games, the Evens and Odds games, to randomly determine who the target will be. Ari will be even numbers, and Kelbrick's will be odd numbers. This <laughs> dice will determine your fate. May the odds be ever in your favor. 
Kelbricks, you hear an arrow whiz through the air from a tree that is to the right of you and Ari. As you watch it, narrowly miss the leg of Ari nice. sinking into the dirt. <laughs> Ari, as you look at Kelbricks, locking eyes with one another, you both realize, oh shit. You will see an arrow fly from the left from ambusher number two. Kelbrix, will that 14 hit you? That'll hit. <laughs> As the arrow cuts into the right shoulder of Kelbrix, dealing five points of piercing damage. I am so sorry. Ow. Gorath, holding onto the reins of the horses, you watch as this all takes place. As you hear the twinge of a bowstring release an arrow from the left of you from ambusher number three. Gorath, will a 25 hit you, sir? What? 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 No. As you turn to your left, Gorath, you will watch as the arrow sinks into the stomach area of your armor, breaking through, dealing six points of piercing damage. <laughs> as a fourth arrow flies towards the party, coming from ambusher number one. To be fair, I'll roll a die six to randomly determine where the arrow is heading. Gorath, you will be one and two. Kelbricks, you will be three and four. As Ari, you will be five and six. The arrow screams in, striking you, Kelbricks. <laughs> will an 18 hit? Yeah, that'll that'll hit. Kelbricks, the arrow will cut into your left shoulder, dealing four points of piercing damage. Shit. All right. <laughs> Now that they have all taken their actions for their surprise round, they will now take their moves. Ambusher number four will climb higher into the tree that he is perched in currently. Ambusher number two will hold their position. Ambusher number three will also maintain their position. Ambusher number one will climb into a nearby tree, and this will officially end the surprise round. At this point, we will start our initiative at the top of round one as the ambushers will now take their official turn along with our players. <laughs> you all will get a good look at the ambushers as you can now see that they are elves. They are wearing some fairly unique looking studded leather armor. They are moving fluidly in this terrain as well. Elf number four is up first as he quickly knocks an arrow, pulls back the bowstring, exhales as the string slides off the fingertips, sending the arrow towards you, Ari. And that is a dirty 20. Does that hit? Rude. Yeah. And the arrow will cut into your left leg for six points of piercing damage. Mm. Next up is elf number two, as he will also knock an arrow, sighting it towards Gorath as he pulls back and releases it. Will a 12 hit you, sir? No, I am now one with the forest. <laughs> the arrow will fly, going off into the forest, as it will now be your turn, Ari. Is the unidentified man still on the ground? He is indeed, as you hear him say, a little quicker, please. You're not with them? Uh, no, I'm not. If you free me, I can help. 
Can I do an insight? Uh, absolutely. But keep in mind, that will be your action. Eh, that's fine. Uh, ten. Eight plus two. His body language seems as panicked and nervous as you are right now, as well as the tone in his voice. He seems believable. Okay, okay. I'm coming. Then I'll move up next to him, at least. You quickly move up, kneeling down next to him, as you can see he's also an elf, but with slightly different features. His armor is more refined than the other ambushers, as he looks at you and says, You, uh, you walked right into that one. You're the one tied up laying on the ground. I'm trying to escape, as elf number one knocks, pulls, sights you specifically, Ari, as the bowstring slips through the fingertips, letting an arrow fly. As it will plunge into the ground between you and the restrained elf you are attempting to free, as it will definitely miss. Kobrix, nice. it'll be your turn. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and cast Bless at. Um, I'm gonna cast it at second level. That way I can bless Gorath, myself, Ari, and this unidentified elf. Uh, all four of us will get to add a d4, hashtag Bless. <laughs> to attack and saving throws until I lose concentration, which will be when I die in a turn. (laughs) (laughs) Great. (laughs) Then I'm going to pull out my shoe. Please describe how Bless looks for all of our faithful listeners out there. We all thank you. As well as those watching us on YouTube, thank you again. (laughs) So I will uh, reach up and grab onto my holy symbol that hangs around my neck. I will bow my head while doing a prayer to to Morgana to watch over us, and a little uh, semi-necrotic-looking light will kind of quickly shine around all four of us. For those of you out there that wish to see what Kelbrick's holy symbol looks like, you can find that on our website or check it out on YouTube, just saying. Interesting! Our next hub will be the Restrained Elf, as he is going to attempt to try to slip these bindings. He is just able to get his legs free at this point as he twists and maneuvers. Some of these vines seemingly untether, crack, or even break, as that will end his turn. Elf number three is going to use their action to sight Yugorath as they knock an arrow, quickly releasing it no sooner than it is knocked. Just before the arrow leaves the bow, Gorath, you hear this... Noise as you see elf number three tumbling <laughs> ass over tea kettle out of the tree, sending the arrow flying wildly. As the branch beneath them was no longer able to support them, that is what I would like to call a critical fail in combat. As they tumble from the tree 20 feet, taking one die six bludgeoning damage for every 10 feet falling, so that gives me two, and I will roll two. As elf number three slams into the forest floor, taking six points of bludgeoning damage as they lay prone, gasping for air. Gorath, it is your turn. Clearly, this is a uh, sign from the wood gods. They have led us to the right location. I'm going to move over to this elf that just fell. I will uh, one-handed swing down on this elf with my warhammer. Um, I just took the champion archetype when I leveled up to third level, so that means I get the crits uh, 19s and 20s. You also have advantage when swinging at a prone target, which is 
clearly a case. <laughs> well, then, uh, well, uh, wouldn't want to not take advantage of that. Let's see here. Oh, so blessed. Let's get some blessed. Hashtag blessed. Uh, blessed. Alright, so that is going to be a 19 to hit. Uh, but that's not natural. That's going to be uh, 10 plus 6 plus 3. Bringing the Warhammer down on this prone elf, you feel and hear the impact as it finds the target. <laughs> 8 points of bludgeoning damage. As your Warhammer slams into the prone elf, you will hear a softer tone of an elven female crowd in pain. She looks up at you very savage-like, as you have seen that look of a warrior before. Well, I usually wouldn't do this as a uh, gentle Goliath, uh, <laughs> but you did fire down at me from that tree when I wasn't looking, so I'm just going to go ahead and uh, kick her with an unknown strike while she's down. <laughs> and that does good. And that is a... Uh, 12, 12 to hit, right? So it's a... Wait, wait, wait. She's prone, so that's with advantage. That is correct. <laughs> and blessed. Yep. And you're still blessed. <laughs> uh, 17 to hit. 10 plus 6 plus 1. That will make connection, Gorath. <laughs> no. This is her fault. <laughs> so for this one, you don't roll. Yeah, Remember? it's just your strength. Oh, plus okay. One. Um... Five points of bludgeoning there. Or five points for just a kick. With that, we end round number one as we are at the top of round two with elf ambusher number four up first. Elf number four, who is still in the tree, is going to sight Ari with his bow as he knocks, pulling back on the bowstring, exhales, releases the string from his fingertips. That is going to be a 16. Stop hitting me. That's my job. <laughs> the arrow screams in, striking you in your right arm, trying to prevent you from freeing the restrained elf, as it will be five points of piercing damage. Elf number four will stay in position where he is perched in the tree. Elf number two is going to move 15 feet from behind the tree that was providing them cover, as he quickly sights you, Kelbricks, knocking, pulling, exhaling, releasing as the arrow flies. Will a measly 25 hit? <laughs> no. No, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> measly. The, whew, the arrow plunges into your abdominal mm. area, piercing the armor, dealing four points of piercing damage to you, Kelbricks as elf number two will then continue moving the last 15 feet of his movement behind the same tree in which elf number three tumbled out of near Gorath. Kelbrix, if you would give me a constitution saving throw, which is a DC 10 or better, in order to see if you can maintain concentration yeah, on the uh, bless spell. We, we lose bless. <laughs> no, hashtag blessed. Sadly, blessed will fade as the pain is too much for Kelbricks to overcome, resulting in the loss of the D4 for everyone that was blessed. Ari, it will now be your turn. I'm going to cut the bindings that are still restraining this dude. And with your dagger in hand, go ahead and make an attack roll, please. Mm, unmat 21, 16 plus 5. 
With surgeon-like precision, you maneuver your dagger and you begin sawing away at the vine restraints. Will you please roll your damage? Six. As you quickly begin sawing away at the restraints, you feel them give as what is left unravels and clatters to the forest floor as the now freed elf begins pulling the remains off of himself. You can get the rest, right? I'm sorry, what? You can get the rest off, right? Oh, sure, yeah. Um, Great, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, you should probably take cover now. Uh, yeah, I'm going to move to the east looking for cover. Ari, you take off moving in an eastern direction as you position yourself behind a tree, giving you half cover, which is a plus two to your AC from elves number four, number three, and number two. Is there anything else you would like to do at this point? Yeah. In that case, elf number one will attempt to climb higher into the tree he is in, as he will lose his footing, tumbling 20 feet out of the tree. And elf number one will take eight points of bludgeoning damage as he slams into the ground, landing 10 feet from where you are positioned currently, Ari. Hey there. He looks up at you, trying to catch his breath. Kelbrix, it'll be your turn. Alright, I'm pissed right now. So, I'm gonna take off running around uh, the tree, going towards elf number two. And I'm gonna try to come up behind him and attempt to inflict wounds. That sounds like a great plan. That's a great plan. Yeah, nope, that's a a crit fail, that one. I love it so much. Kelbrix, as you take off running 25 feet, in order to get behind elf number two with your wonderful plan. So you can inflict wounds on him. You will cut your movement just a wee bit too close to a nearby tree as you run face first into a branch for... There's a tree there. Yeah, well... <laughs> bleeding out here. Losing concentration on the spell as mm. well as taking two points of bludgeoning damage as you stagger back. Your eyes begin to water from the pain this will definitely alert elf number two of where you are, as he now seems focused on you. Okay. Great. As the bumbling idiot returns. Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> the newly freed elf is up, as he is going to use half his speed in order to quickly get into a kneeling position, while retrieving his longbow that was pinned between him and the ground. He quickly knocks an arrow draws the bowstring back as he sights elf number four, who is still perched in the tree, and then releases. The arrow flies off course, getting lost in the branches of the target's tree. He then whispers something in Elvish. Does anybody speak Elven? I do. Kelbrix, you will hear the elf say, Damn, as he turns towards Ari, moving the remaining 15 feet of his movement or speed to where you are currently Ari, and that will end his turn. Elf number three, who was on the ground but Gorath, is now going to attempt to grapple Gorath. <laughs> this will be an athletics check for her, and I believe athletics or acrobatics for you, Gorath. Okay. That is a 20 for me, not natural. 14 plus 6. As elf number three reaches with both of her hands grabbing a hold of your ankles, she will attempt to pull the rug out from underneath you, Maneuver. With a 14, she gives you a hearty pull, 
It's a valiant effort, but your stumps are firmly planted in the ground as you go nowhere. She looks up at you as her demeanor changes slightly, as if recalculating as she will attempt to make an unarmed <laughs> strike as a bonus action. He is a Goliath. <laughs> as she jabs straight up into your gentle bits, her reach is just a wee bit too short as she misjudges the punch. <laughs> Missing, of course. No joking of laughter over there. Don't die. I'm not, not going to die. That's As fun. she will end her turn, making it now your turn, Gorath. Alright, so she's not prone though, right? She never got up. She's still prone. Yeah, you get wood for the gentle bits. I just, just... Well, I guess I get to uh, strike down on her with the uh, Warhammer uh, one hand. With advantage, because as you stated before, she is still prone. Oh. <laughs> Nine. That's a three plus a six. So close. <laughs> with advantage. That's <laughs> with advantage. Yes, that's with advantage. So talk about. Adjusting your posture to protect your gentle bits, you bring down the warhammer. <laughs> She twists just enough, causing you to slam the warhammer into the dirt. <laughs> I can't. I'm just going to get frustrated. This is already my turn. <laughs> well, in that case, this will end round two as we now begin round three with elf number four, who has maintained his position in the tree. He will knock, pull, sight, exhale, and release an arrow towards the rescue elf next to Ari. Are you hear the whiz of an arrow as you see it pierce into the back of the rescued elf's armor. As the arrow deals seven points of piercing damage to him, seeing that he was previously in combat before this encounter, I'll let you know he's a little less healthier than the rest of you. No, well, maybe not covers. <laughs> After hitting the rescued elf with his arrow, elf number four will hold his position, feeling confident. <clears throat> Elf number two, who is alerted to your presence, Kelbricks, due to a branch slapping you in the face, causing you to stagger <laughs> with watery eyes, quickly drops his longbow, exchanges it for an elven short sword as he pulls it forth, swinging wide towards your chest. Will a 19 hit you, Kelbricks? Yeah, that'll, that'll hit. As your sight clears, you are just able to see the elven short sword coming directly at you. As you attempt to avoid the blade, you instead feel it carve into the chest through your armor. As it'll deal nine points of slashing damage. Ooh. And uh, Kelbrix falls. No shit. <laughs> Yay. You will all hear and see your friend Kelbrix fall to the forest floor. Ari, it is now your turn. <laughs> Don't die, Gorath. Are you good, Gorath? No, we're good. Good. Okay. Just With my one dagger in hand, I'm going to pull the other one out, move forward ten feet, and try to strike elf number one who landed on the ground by me. Are you swiftly move over to elf number one, pulling out your second dagger. You strike down. You will have advantage as elf number one is still prone after his fall. Uh, 19. 14 plus 5. That is definitely going to hit. Then seven points of piercing. 
Just a friendly reminder, since you have advantage, this will also activate your ability. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Sneak attack adds. Correct. So, that's 10 points of sneak attack damage on top of the 7 points of piercing damage. With precision, you will plunge the dagger that you had into the right clavicle area as it sinks past the leather armor. Blood begins to pour from the wound as he... Uh, and he will speak elven at you. Yeah, but I don't speak elven. I do, but I'm unconscious. But you're Anything- dying over there. <laughs> Anything else you want to do, Ari? Well, with two up and fighting, I can attack with my other dagger. That would be correct. So, and I get to add the modifier, right? Yeah, with two weapon with uh, fighting, yes. Okay, so on that 22, 17 plus 5. Thrusting the second dagger with a 22, it will definitely hit. And I don't get a modifier with damage for that one, right? So that's a 2. Plunging your dagger into the left side on the left clavicle, elf number one grunts, <clears throat> grinding his teeth and staring directly into your eyes as he tries to fight through the pain and possibly the embarrassment. Yeah, I feel that. (laughs) Anything else you would like to do, Ari? Nah, that's it. As you pull your daggers free, Ari, elf number one will use his action to disengage as he pulls himself away. As he uses half his speed to stand up, he begins searching for his bow as he doesn't see it nearby. Elf number one will use the rest of the movement to start moving around the tree he fell from. That'll end his turn, as it's now your turn, Kelbricks. Will you please give me a death save? Uh, yes, uh, death save. That's a 15. With that successful death save, you hear a soft female voice whisper something into your ear, but it's too difficult to make out at this point. The rescued elf knocks Pulls, sights, exhales, and releases his arrow towards elf number four, who is still perched high in the tree. And with that, the arrow goes wide into the tree, missing the target. He's going to look at Ari, and he says, Your friend is down. You may want to tend to him. No oh, shit, yeah. The rescued elf will place a hand on your shoulder, Ari, as you hear him say, Hold on. Using a bonus action, the two of you are transported 30 feet towards the direction of Kelbricks. In the blink of an eye, you find yourself right next to Kelbricks. Oh, what the fuck? Help your friend. <laughs> Anger fills the face of elf number three, as she is still prone on the ground in front of Gorath. She quickly stands using half of her movement, as she draws forth her elven short sword in the process of standing. Driving her short sword at you, crying out in anger, she will have a 17. Will that hit you, Gorath? What the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's gonna hit. <laughs> her blade will punch through your leather armor, dealing max damage for 9 points of piercing damage as she drives her boot into your knee as a bonus action. She's going to have a 14. Oh, I have a 14 AC. You feel the sharp pain in your knee as you are dealt one point of bludgeoning damage as it is now your turn, Gorath. All right. Well, I'm going to take another swipe at her with this damn warhammer. <laughs> the wood gods may have abandoned you. No, no, no do not. Yes. 
<laughs> I am the god's chosen wood warrior. That is a nat 20. 20 plus 6. Leaving herself wide open after she struck you in the knee, you swing your mighty warhammer into that opening. <laughs> Seven points of bludgeoning damage. Um, are we doing max plus dice roll, or how are we going to do crit damage? That's a great question. So for this particular campaign, damage for critical strikes are double the damage dice rolled with the weapon modifier added once. All right. So 11 bludgeoning damage to be the final total. Slamming your mighty warhammer into her face, she staggers back as her elven short sword falls her feet. Dazed from the impact, she stills herself as she looks to you, spitting blood to the ground as she slowly wipes the blood from her mouth with the back of her right hand. All right, well, I'm going to smile and I'm going to give her a mighty headbutt. Twelve, <laughs> six and six. Elf number three will swerve, avoiding the impact. Uh, damn it! That will end round number three as we start round four with elf number four, still perched high in the tree, spotting the commotion between you, Gorath, and elf number three. He knocks, pulls, sights right at you, Gorath. I have a bush in front of me, right? You actually have a tree in front of you, which will give you three force cover, which is a plus five to your AC. But I'm so big a tree in a bush for the same thing. You sure are. (laughs) As elf number four sights you, he will trigger his archer's eye ability. As he locks onto you, Gorath, he will whisper under his breath, There you are. As there is a loud cracking sound of the branch supporting him. The tree gods are once again in my head. The arrow will fly <laughs> off into the forest as he loses concentration, tumbling ass over tea kettle <laughs> out of the tree. You thought that I was lost in these woods. You're still lost. Slamming into the forest floor, he takes six points of bludgeoning damage. That will be the end of his turn. Completely surprised at your sudden appearance, Ari, along with the rescued elf, Elf number two will quickly reach down, grabbing a hold of Kelbrix's head. As he pulls it back, taking his elven blade, he puts it directly under his throat as Kelbrix lifelessly lays there as his breathing is getting shallower. Put down your arms or your friend's life in here. Do it, is what he'll say, and he will hold his action, leaving the ball in your court, Ari, as it is now your turn. Well, shit. Um, I said put down your arms. Alrighty, alrighty, hold up. <laughs> I'm gonna put my hands up, and I'm gonna drop one dagger. As one dagger falls to the ground. Chill out now. Why don't you Why don't you put him down, and uh, we can talk about this. No, drop your other dagger now. As elf number two begins applying pressure on the neck of Kelbrix, drawing blood. I'm gonna look to the rescue elf next to me to see what he's doing. The rescued elf starts to slowly motion as if he's going to put down his bow. Keep in mind, with Kelbrick's head pulled back and blade to his throat, elf number two will gain about half cover to the AC due to the fact he's holding Kelbrick's. You do have a window from about the chest up on elf number two if you want to try something. Do it. You're already dying. Do it. If I wanted to try and 
grab Kelbrick's or grab the dagger that Elf 2 is holding? Well, actually, it's a short sword. You could attempt to do so if you'd oh, like. Great. It'll be disadvantage on the grapple check because Elf number 2 is holding Kelbrick's hostage, essentially, with a blade to his throat. As you would be attempting to leap in and trying to get that blade away, it's a very high-risk maneuver. Yeah, no. I'm just going to drop my other dagger and be like, okay, okay, let him go now. Your other dagger hits the ground, ending your turn, correct? Yes. Meanwhile, elf number one, who has been looking for his weapons since he tumbled out of the tree near you, Ari, uses action in order to keep searching for this weapon. As with that, he will locate his bow, ending his turn. It is now your turn, Kelbrix. Will you please give me your second death saving throw? And that's a 12. Yay. That's awesome. Two saves as you once again hear a soft voice of a female say, Arise, my champion. God. The rescued elf continues to put his weapon down as he begins to kneel. Sorry, goddess. As he places down his bow, he quickly reaches for the dagger that just fell to your feet, Ari, as he flips it at elf number two. As elf number two seems to be focused on you, Ari, the dagger goes flying in a straight line directly to the target hitting elf number two with a 21 to do so. Nice. Dealing five points of piercing damage. Kelbrick, since this is your life that we're playing with, <laughs> I'll let you play that wonderful game here on Creating Grin called the Evens and Odds game. We love to play that around here. So you're going to essentially get a 50% chance to see if elf number two drops the blade in surprise or uses his held action to cut your throat, dealing you a death-saving fail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, may the odds be ever in my favor. So, odds. So Kelbricks will play the odds, ladies and gentlemen. Kelbricks. Fate rules that the odds are not in your favor as the dagger sinks into elf number two. As elf number two grips and rips with his elven short sword, triggering his held action, he'll have advantage because you're unconscious. So I assume that I don't get uh, my bonus for my shield since I'm unconscious. Unfortunately, you do not. So that would give you like... My AC is a 12. <laughs> Kelbricks, you hear the voice of this mysterious female say to you, There is further use for you, my champion. As elf number two finishes his ripping motion, you will all see sparks fly from the elven short sword. As elf number two only managed to get a total of eight. And that is with advantage. (laughs) Thank you, guys. As the blade of the elven short sword seemed to mysteriously drop just a little too low, dragging across Kelbrick's scale mail. With that, Kelbrick's, you will not take any damage, which means you will also avoid getting a death-saving fail. Well, actually, that would have been two death saves as a melee attack in... Uh, range counts as a crit when you're unconscious, which would cause two death saves. And with that, as cleverly stated by our player Kelbricks, the Mistress of Death, your goddess, Morgana, must be on your side because 
that shit has never happened to me before. All right? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, try to figure that one out. That's just not my time. It's just not your time. You, on the other hand, will slump forward, laying face first into the ground. As elf number two went through the motion, he will no longer have a grasp on you, which means you are no longer grappled. Elf number three, who was badly hurt by Gorath, has decided at this point, it's time to call it quits, and she will disengage as her action from you, Gorath. She will quickly back up, keeping her attention focused on you as she moves 15 feet south. Continuing to look directly at you, Gorath, she uses the rest of her speed to stand and gets into a hunkered fighting position, drawing her elven blade up. All right, well, I'm going to move 10 feet in the southwestern direction behind elf number two, and I'm going to grapple him. As you maneuver behind elf number two in an attempt to grapple him, you will have advantage as with everything that has transpired, he will be completely focused on Ari and the rescued elf and is not expecting your friendly neighborhood Goliath fighter to come out from behind. <laughs> All right, so this is opposing uh, athletics. Actually, the grapple check is an athletics for the initiator, which would be you with the option for either athletics or acrobatics for the opposing being elf number two. And you do have advantage on this. Right. Uh, Twenty-four, eighteen plus six athletics. Gareth, you will confidently walk over behind Elf Number Two as you grapple him from behind, lifting him off the ground due to the size difference. Toes barely touching the ground as you pin him tight to your chest as Elf Number Two <laughs> fights and struggles to get free. All right, uh, can I use the uh, rest of my movement to twist and face uh, elf number three? You sure can. As you turn and twist facing elf number three with your new meat shield as elf <laughs> number two gasps and struggles trying to get free. All right, well, so I will have dropped my shield and my warhammer to free my hands from this grapple just to clarify for everyone. Is there anything else you would like to uh, do? That is it. That's going to end my turn. This will end round number four as we now begin round number five. Elf number four, who fell from his perch last round, is able to gather himself as he will use half his speed to stand, attempting to locate his bow that was lost in the tumble. As he frantically looks around for his bow, he is unable to locate it as this will end his turn, bringing us to elf number two, who is currently grappled by Gorath. Elf number two... Well, as his action, attempt to slip your grapple, Gorath. And due to the fact your grapple was so high versus elf number two, leaving him tightly pinned against your chest, as well as toe-tapping the ground, elf number two will have disadvantage on this supposed grapple escape attempt. Gorath, if you will please make an athletics check, as I will make the check for elf number two okay. escape attempt. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> That sucks. <laughs> I just rolled a nat 20, of course. Why does this always happen when you have disadvantage on a check? Yep. Well, I got a 15. Nine plus six. As elf number two continues to twist and fight to free himself, it will sink into his head that the struggle is real as he is unable to get free. Gorath feeling elf number two desperately attempting to free himself from your grip 
you will look down at him and tell him like a parent to a child. No, no, no. Ooh, no, 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 no. We're just going to tighten, lock these fingers just a little bit more. Put the tension on in this grapple. This will end elf number two's turn, bringing us to your turn, Ari. I am... Uh, well, I dropped both my daggers. Correct. <laughs> you did drop both of your daggers. And one of them went flying in the direction of elf number two, striking him, courtesy of the rescued elf. Is it still stuck in him? No, it's actually on the ground near Kelberg's body. Oh, well, it's an action to pick it up, right? Uh, no, it would actually be an object interaction as part of your movement. You could scoop it up. Oh, nice. <clears throat> okay. I'm going to scoop up the dagger by my boot, moving around Gurp to the south in a southeastern direction. And between Elf 3 and Gorath, ending my movement on Gorath's left side. Will I be able to get to Elf 2 taking that path, or is it too congested to maneuver through? It is close quarters, but your roguish nimbleness will allow you to maneuver your chosen direction, ending your movement to the left of Gorath, engaged with Elf number 2. Awesome. I'm going to move in that direction then, and as I get to Elf 2, who's being grappled, I'm going to stab him. (laughs) And that's a unnat 22, 17 plus 5. Gorath, as you are looking down at elf number two, who you have just finished scolding for attempting to free himself, that is when out of nowhere, Ari rushes in, plunging her dagger into your meat shield. Ari, this will allow you to trigger your sneak attack ability as well. (laughs) Screw your meat shield. (laughs) So, six points of piercing damage for the initial, and then... 11 for sneak attack damage on top of that for 17 altogether. Ari, <laughs> rushing past your fallen friend Kelbricks, emotions fill you as you strike with deadly precision, plunging your dagger into the chest of elf number two as he grunts. <sighs> Blood begins to pour from the wound you just gave him. Gorath, you feel the fight and struggle of elf number two grow just a little weaker after Ari's dagger strike. And uh, that's it. I'll just stay there. Elf number one. Hey, finds his bow as he picks it up and begins dashing 60 feet in a slight southeastern direction, ending his turn behind a tree in full cover. As it is now your turn, Kelbricks, if you would please make your third death saving throw. Okay. Ooh, that is a failure with a nine. Sad face. The rescued (laughs) elf, now up, quickly reaches into a leather pouch hanging from his side as he pulls from it an exotic elven glass bottle. He will quickly kneel down next to the side of Kelbricks as he uncorks the exotic bottle and begins administering a reddish liquid into the mouth of Kelbricks. As you all see life return to your fallen friend, as you will gain eight hit points from a potion of healing, Kelbricks. Oh, how nice of him. Yeah, very. The rescued elf looks to you, Kelbricks, as your eyes flutter open you not only notice the elf male before you as he says, Are you better now, my friend? But for a brief moment, you catch the silhouette of a female standing behind him, the elf male looking down upon you. 
Yeah. <laughs> Good. Let's not take this trip again, shall we? Yeah. The rescued elf proceeds to pick up the second dagger of Ares that is lying next to Kelbrick's. Scooping up the dagger from the forested floor, he then stands and proceeds to move 15 feet in a southeastern direction, just to the right side of Gorath. Elf number three, noticing that the odds are stacked against her as she begins looking between Gorath and the rescued elf, and then Ari, and then now the healed Kelbrix, makes her decision as she decides to move 25 feet in a northeastern direction towards the horses. As she mounts the nearest horse, Ending elf number three's turn. Gorath, it is now your turn. And oh, by the way, it's your horse she's mounted to. stupid. Alright, okay. So I am definitely dropping this uh, meat shield. And I'm going to pull her <laughs> off of my horse. That's my dumb dwarven horse. Elf number two, a.k.a. <laughs> Gorath's meat shield, will clamor to the ground as you watch him stride over to his horse. You wink. Okay, horse. <laughs> you better start kicking this lady off of you. <laughs> I'm going to move 15 feet in the northeastern direction next to my horse. I'm going to attempt to grab her and I'll pull her down. So what do I need to roll? This will once again be an opposed grapple check. With you being the initiator, you'll make the athletics check opposed by elf number three's option of either athletics or acrobatics to avoid being grappled and pulled off the horse. <laughs> That is a nat 20. 26 total. As you stride over, with confidence, you successfully lay your meat mittens on her, <laughs> easily pulling her off your mount. <laughs> she will take two points of bludgeoning damage from the fall, as well as the force that you pull her off and toss her down, Grath. <laughs> well, I'm going to grab her and pull her down for sure. As she hits the ground, Grath, your horse will look back at you as he... Raises up. Trampling elf number three for nine points of bludgeoning damage. The sound of bones breaking and snapping can be heard as she will let out a few gasps of air, followed by one final exhale. As your horse stands there looking at you, Gorath. <laughs> what a good horse. Is there anything else you would like to do, Gorath? Uh, I am going to hold. <laughs> this now brings us to the end of round number five as we begin round number six. Okay. Elf number four finds his bow as he reaches down and picks it up. As he attempts to knock an arrow, his bowstring will snap. That's just embarrassing. This is amazing. The gods have really brought me here where this all would happen. As yes, he critically failed, ending his turn as he now contemplates his next action as well as life choices. This brings up elf number two, who now lies between the rescued elf and Ari as Gorath dropped him there. Taking in the situation, he seems to be slightly flanked as he will slowly put his hands up, surrendering as it is now your turn, Ari. Yeah, I'm going to stab him anyway. Yeah, with advantage. <laughs> this is correct, Gorath, due to being flanked along with the uh, fact elf number two is also prone. <laughs> that is an unnat 24, 19 plus 5. You will thrust down into elf number two, sinking your dagger into him once again. That's four points from the dagger. And four points for sneak attack. Jamming the steel blade into the chest. Ugh. It's called surrender, is what he'll say. Yeah, 
I don't care. You almost killed my friend. Elf number two will snarl at you, Ari, as he begins coughing up <coughs> blood. Is there anything else you wish to do, Ari? Nah, that's it. It is now elf number one's turn as he continues running 25 feet in a northern direction as he gets right to Ari's horse, Sam. Oy. He quickly mounts her. Grabbing the reins, guiding her with his feet, and begins galloping 10 feet in a northeastern direction, as that will end elf number one's turn. It will now be your turn, Kelbrix. Okay, I'm gonna get up off the ground, and I'm gonna move in a uh, southern direction, looking towards elf number one who's mounted on Ari's horse. And I'm gonna cast Guiding Bolts at second level. Excellent. Don't hurt my horse. Oh, don't worry, I won't. That's uh, that's gonna be a 22, 17 plus five. And hit your guiding bolt shout, Calbrix. But for how much, sir? All right. Well, five d six, four, five, eight, thirteen, eighteen points of damage. Damn. With your holy symbol of Morgana extended. Two bolts stream from the skull's eye sockets, slamming into the elf number one as Ari's horse instinctively bucks Good job, Sam. elf number one. Elf number one will basically go end over end off the back of Sam. The combination of your guiding bolt, Kelbrix, mixed with the landing awkwardly renders elf number one dead. All right, I'm just going to yell out, if anyone tries to steal our horses, they'll meet the same fate. And that will end my turn. This brings us to the rescued elf's turn. Arya, as you finish slowly pulling your dagger from the chest of elf number two, you will hear the rescued elf say, That looks like a mighty smart idea. As he will plunge your second dagger that he recovered in almost the identical spot as yours. The dagger is buried all the way to the cross guard as you see his eyes go wide and dilate as he begins gasping for breath <gasps> Gorath it is now your turn alright I'm gonna walk back 10 feet west I'm gonna pick up my shield and my war hammer I'm gonna go and uh, turn face elf number 4 shield in the left hand war hammer in the right I'm gonna posture myself up get myself nice and ready and uh, that will end my turn this will end round number six as we begin round number seven with elf number four surveying the situation as he says to himself yeah it's time to go as he will dash 60 feet in a northern direction fading into the forest ending his turn gasping for breath coughing and spitting up blood with your second dagger buried into elf number two's chest he locks eyes with you, Ari, and says, I <coughs> hope you burn for this. As he will hold his action, ending his turn, bringing us to your turn, Ari. Man, I'm a rogue and a tiefling. I'm going to burn anyway. <laughs> and then I'm going to stab him again. I still have advantage, right? As you are flanking and he is still prone on the ground, yes, you have advantage. Good. I got a 16, 11 plus 5. 16 will be just enough. 
four on the die, so seven points of piercing damage from the dagger, and four points of sneak attack damage. And how does Ari want to do this? I'm going to drive my dagger right next to where the other one still is, twist it, then brace my foot on his chest, and pull both of my daggers out. Unable to breathe as his chest and lungs are now full of blood, his eyes will roll back into his head. Is there anything else you wish to do, Ari? Well, looks like you're going to burn first. Kerox, then... it is now your turn. I'll end my turn. All right. Well, shit. All right. Um, yeah, so I will uh, want to move 30 feet north in order to get a better line of sight on elf number four, who is apparently attempting to escape. You will rush 30 feet north as you draw a better line of sight on elf number four as he is now 60 feet from your current position, Kelpix. All right. I'm going to... You know what? I'm going to do another guiding bolt, uh, this time at first level. And that will be 16, 11 plus 5. Extending your holy symbol of Morgana towards elf number four as he attempts to escape. You will whisper a prayer once again as you feel a spectral hand guide yours as two bolts of necrotic energy will shoot from the symbol's eye sockets, striking elf number four. All right, that'll be 46 necrotic damage. So we got three, five, six, 12 points of necrotic damage. The necrotic damage will slam into the back of elf number four as he staggers forward, trying to keep his feet underneath of him as he just is able to catch his balance and he continues to run. All right. And he'll have kind of a like dark necrotic light surrounding him as that will end my turn. The rescued elf looks to you, Ari, giving you a nod and a smile as then notices Kelbricks hitting elf number four with a guiding bolt. He will run 30 feet in a northern direction, scooping up his longbow along the way, putting himself directly in front of Kelbrix as he knocks, sights, exhales, and then releases. Alright, and he will have advantage from my guiding bolts. Ah, yes, guiding bolts. The rescued elf arrow flies straight and true as it plunges into elf number four's right thigh, dealing a total of seven points of piercing damage. Elf number four's momentum is drastically slowed down as he is now limping with the arrow in his thigh. It is your turn, Gorath. Oh, I'm gonna come for you. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna dash 60 feet in the northern direction towards elf number four. Uh, when I get to that that 50 foot mark, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, begin to slowly lower my head. <laughs> this will end round number seven as we begin round number eight with Elf number four as he looks back at you specifically, Gorath, as you begin to charge with your head lowered. Due to the fact there is an arrow through his right thigh, he will only be able to move 15 feet as he is hindered by the arrow. For his action, elf number four will take the dodge action, <laughs> trying to make himself as hard to hit as possible, moving serpentine, or sort of, as it is now Ari's turn. All right, can I see around the tree to see what they're doing? As you peek around the tree, you see your friend Gorath lowering his head, charging at elf number four like a mad bull. Kelbrick seems to be <laughs> anticipating his next move, while the rescued elf appears to be knocking another arrow. 
all while elf number four limps away trying to escape into the forest. Well, at this point I'm going to assume they have this handled, and I would like to sell search elf number two. Would you please give me an investigation check, I? Certainly. It's an 11. 8 plus 3. Ari, with an 11, you take a look at the remaining arrows in elf number two's quiver and notice that they are unique. His hmm. bow is an elven longbow that looks very unique as well. Elf number two also has a very unique looking elven short sword. And then rifling through a side pouch, you find a potion of healing along with an elven designed leather coin pouch along with a trail ration as well. As you look into the elven leather coin pouch, you see that it contains seven gold pieces along with seven electrum. Well, I'm definitely going to take the coins and I'll take the arrows and the potion of healing and I will end my turn. Kelbrox, it is now your turn. Okay, I'm going to move 30 feet closer to uh, the elf that's running away and look at him pulling out the holy symbol. I'm going to say, ding, ding, the matron of death is calling. As I cast Toll the Dead, he will need to make a DC 13 wisdom saving throw. He seems to be more afraid of the charging bull Goliath, (laughs) Kelbricks, than afraid of the mistress of death, Morgana, as he saves against your attempt. Well, he will when she comes for him. And that will end my turn. It is now the rescued elf's turn. As he knocks, sights, raises his bow high, exhales, and then releases, his arrow flies through the forest canopy in a high arc as elf number four continues to limp away with Gorath charging as the arrow drops in front of elf number four, missing. As it will now be your turn, Gorath. All right. Okay, so I'm going to pull up and stand as ramming up number four, and I will take a swing with the Warhammer. Uh, he's taking dodge, so I'm going to have to do right. that at disadvantage. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 16 to hit. 10 plus 16 six. will hit him. Right. Ooh, 12 points of bludgeoning damage. With that nice. blow of your mighty Warhammer, Elf number four will spin down to the ground as he starts to crawl. He begins using his hands, clawing and pulling himself in order to try to get away from you. As you walk up to Elf number four, he turns over, throwing his hands up in a plea of mercy. Please, no, please, no. Let's talk about this. This will end round number eight and lead us into round number nine as elf number four will continue to take the dodge action inevitably trying to delay his end Ari it is your turn I'm gonna assume they still have that handled and move over and search elf number three as you move over would you give me another investigation check this time I'm gonna give you an advantage because you kind of know some of the spots to start looking (laughs) obviously and uh, that was a nat 20, so 23. So you will find all the things. <laughs> exactly. With a nat 23, you immediately go to the same side pouch, finding another potion of healing, along with another day's ration, a second elven leather coin pouch, which reveals three platinum pieces. Elf number three will also have some of those unique arrows. The unique elven short sword will be there as well. And that's about all you'll find. 
Right. Uh, can I holler towards Gorath and say, "All right, let's keep them. Uh, let's see what uh, information we can get out of this guy. Find out why they attacked us." And uh, I don't want my turn. As Gorath seems compliant, he will look to you, Kelvrix, nodding his head as he reaches down, picking up Elf Number Four by the hair. Hmm. Gorath, as you pull up Elf Number Four, nearly halfway up, you'll hear as an arrow from the rescued elf sinks into the skull of Elf Number Four. As he becomes dead weight in your hand, Gorath. And that is where we'll end this chapter of our tale. Thank you for listening to Creating Grin. Follow us on your favorite podcast format every Friday as we see what happens in the next chapter in our adventurous tale. You can find all things Creating Grin on most platforms, including YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, as well as check out our website at creatinggrin.com, where you can also find links there along with pictures, descriptions, as well as player, character, and campaign setting info. The music, Folk Round, Living Voyage, Elf Meditation, Malicious are from Kevin McLeod at IncomTech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution License 3.0, creativecommons.org, backslash license, backslash, by, backslash, 3.0, backslash.